This is the Reconstructed Man Podcast, and I am your host, Lane Ingram. The Reconstructed Man Podcast is a place where we explore the transgender experience by sharing our stories and lifting up the voices of others. It's for everybody, trans, cis, and everywhere in between. This show is about building community and connections, and I am so glad that you're all here. My guest today is Micah Porter. He's a native of Michigan. He's worked in public education for three decades in Denver. Uh, as a teacher, a coach, an advocate, and an administrator. Mike is currently the associate principal at Warren Tech North and Jeffco Public Schools. He's also a leader, a consultant, an advocate in the LGBTQ community. He focuses his efforts on building greater inclusion for the LGBTQ teen and youth athletes. Having worked with a number of national advocacy groups like You Can Play, the Sports Equality Foundation, Sports Leadership Diversity Council, and Teens for Inclusive Athletics, Micah has been a committed spokesperson in the LGBTQ plus sports movement. He is also a fierce ally for the trans community, and he's going to talk to us about this really cool athletics team toolkit. You want to learn more about Micah's story and his work, you can find him at MicahPorter.com and on his social media. But Micah, welcome to the show. Thank hey, you for coming. Man. How are you? Man, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to see you. Sweet shirt. Where'd you get that? Target, you know, I mean, like, you know, all the corporations are getting on, 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 on board. Target's kind of been at the forefront for years, but, you know, I shop there regularly and I saw it and I was like, that's mine. I'm grabbing hey, that. Target comes through for me sometimes for real. Like, that's you know, fine. they have like uh, these good fellow khakis. Every now and then I'm in a bind. They're like $21.99 in every color. Now yeah. that I've been on tea, like I'm like wearing skinny, skinny uh, khakis now. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, like as an educator, you want to look nice, but you also got to kind of get down and dirty sometimes. So Target's got, they, they do it right. They do. They do. So I just read that amazing intro. You've done a lot of stuff and I appreciate it. Um, but why don't you tell the people, like, who are you? Where are you from? I said Michigan. I'm from Michigan, obviously. Go blue, right? But, like, yeah. where in Michigan? Where are you from? And, like, what part of the alphabet are you, sir? Yeah, so I grew up uh, down here, <laughs> down in the southern Michigan, small town, Stockbridge, uh, real rural, you know, one blinking red light community. Um, I went to Hillsdale College uh, and ran track there. Um, I had a brother that went to Michigan State, sorry, um, and two sisters that went to Hope and played basketball at Hope College. So wow. family still, you know, a lot of my family still in Michigan where siblings are kind of spread out all over. But yeah, I, I grew up in, in, in that part of the state and ended up right out of college, got a job here in Denver, packed up my Ford Ranger and I've been out here for 25 years now. So, but that's yeah, unreal. I kind of always consider myself, you know, Michigander. Okay. So hold on. You just yeah. said you went to Hillsdale and both your sisters went to Hope. Yes. Wow. That's, yeah. I mean, for people that, I mean, I'm from Michigan, so I kind of know what that means. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, tell people what kind of colleges Hope and Hillsdale are. Yeah, so, you know, I would say we both, well, my two sisters and myself, we chose those colleges because we were athletes and had an opportunity to compete. 
Mm-hmm. I was oblivious in many ways to the political sort of leanings of, of Hillsdale, in particular. Hillsdale is super conservative. They don't take any federal money. You know, they have anti-LGBT policies in their student handbook. Um, it was not the best choice for a young man trying to figure himself out as, a, as an athlete from a small town. But I honestly didn't know better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, in retrospect, I think it actually has helped. It's helped me with a lens of what folks and individuals from that side of the political spectrum have to deal with, what they're exposed to. Um, and, it, it, you know, the dean of the college was a frat friend of mine now. We're frat brothers. And I've had conversations with him about how things need to change. And so there's been there's been some silver linings to having that background of being in those, you know, far right circles for, you know, the early part of my life. Um, and it's given me again, you know, that perspective of, of how I might be able to, you know, have the conversations across the aisle. Absolutely. I mean, you make a good point being a grown up and on, you know, and having things affect me and really understand, like I had no idea about Hillsdale or hope. I mean, my best friend from middle school and high school went to hope. And I just was like, cool. (laughs) Awesome. You're going to college. I'm going to Michigan. Right. My uncle played basketball at Hillsdale. And I was like, my uncle played there. I don't know. Right. And I, and so I, I love that you look at it that way and take, you know, and take those opportunities to, you know, hopefully educate people, raise awareness, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I've never been somebody that just wants to turn away from those who, who really need to be, you know, part of the conversation. And, you know, if you can, if you can extend an olive branch and build those relationships, you might make small inroads in, in that culture change. And that's, I mean, that's really, as an educator, that's always been my approach. See, you're going to make us skip ahead to something I want to talk about, because I think just the fact that you said that, right, like we all should strive to do that. We all should strive to, you know, have those conversations in spaces where we can. Right. But don't you think you have a bit more of a platform or a voice or an opportunity just based on the way you look right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a cis acting white male. Um, I'm the G on the alphabet. Um, but yeah, it gives me, it, it does give me the opportunity to have conversations with, with communities that may have not been exposed to the LGBTQ plus community. And, you know, I'm, I don't look as an, I don't look like an outsider. I mean, I really went from one privileged group when I was closeted to even, I would say, even a more privileged group inside the LGBTQ community. I mean, white gay men are as privileged in, in our community as they are outside of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think recognizing that and using that as part of my voice, um, it's taken me a while to really figure out how to leverage it, but it, it definitely can make a difference, particularly with sports. I've been on, before we jump to sports, I've been in like a few conversations where, you know, I don't know what the right word is, but there's like infighting amongst our community or they're saying, you know, like we need, you know, people aren't supporting each other. Like, do you, do you get that sense? I mean, I feel for me, you know, having the way that my life went, right. Like before I knew I was trans, I was with women. So I had to be classified as, you know, gay. And so 
if you know me well, you know, I don't do good with it, with that part of saying that. But anyway, so I just feel like we all have to support each other, you know, and I don't understand why, you know, lesbian women would be upset with trans women. Like we can't, we can't afford to do that, you know? And so I wonder, do you, have you heard that felt that like, do we have fights in our groups? You know, I spend most of the, most of the time I spend with the LGBTQ plus community is with teens and youth. I, I really am not out in the, I don't want to say the scene. I don't know if that's the right, <laughs> right. You know, phrase or whatever, but I have had lots of conversations with other advocates about, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to ask our straight and, and, you know, non-LGBTQ friends to accept differences. We also have to do that with our own community. Mm-hmm. We're all different. We have, that's hence the, the alphabet, right? I mean, it's complex and it's growing. Yep. And so <laughs> for, for us to really be exclusive in our community, and I think it really does come from white men in a lot of cases, um, that, you know, that's just, I think that's just part of the evolution of where we are. I mean, things have changed rapidly over the last decade and we're figuring it out. And I, I do have faith that we'll figure it out in a good way as opposed to a divisive way. I really do. I think so too. I mean, one of the things I had to get over was when I really did start to present, you know, like my wife and I would walk around and we just look like an interracial straight couple. And right. You know, obviously, when you're transitioning, you're trying to get to a point, but like you don't want to be hidden, you know. And so, I think we all have a balance um, in that. I wonder what your perspective is. Interesting. So, okay, tell me about your work. You want to let's talk about the youth, right? Because that's what you're passionate about. And honestly, the reason why Daniel and I, um, he's one of my he's one of my best friends. The reason why we started this show last season was I told him I said if one kid listens and decides that they're going to be okay or, you know, finds or hears something that says that they're not weird or they're not wrong, like then it's worth it. So tell me about your work and what you're passionate about and what you're doing. So just real briefly, I came out later in life. I was 38 and, um, you know, it was really the first time I had experienced any sort of discrimination and told I couldn't go in the locker room and had, you know, parents pulling kids out of my classes. I taught religion ironically. And, um, (laughs) you know, I was coaching, I was at a very conservative high school. So I went from Hillsdale to this really conservative high school in Denver. Um, and so it really opened my eyes. I mean, I, I was struggling and, and, you know, I was a, a successful functioning adult in the middle of my career and I was struggling with depression. I Mm -hmm. went through periods of, of addiction. It was just, my life felt like it was imploding. And it, you know, I had a moment where I realized if, if, as if I'm struggling with my own identity and really my own mental health and and being confident about who I am, imagine what kids are going through. And so there really was a shift for me in terms of where I wanted to spend my, my focus outside of my own individual health. And it, it really, it seemed to make the most sense. I worked with kids, as a teacher and a coach. And so in shifting that, you know, that energy into advocacy and leveraging my position and my experiences to work with kids, it's just, that's really what I've focused on the last, you know, 10 years. And like you said, one kid, you help one kid, it, it 
it's worth it. And worth I've it. been very, very fortunate to, to just, I know I've changed the lives and helped guide lots of kids in our community, um, whether they're out or closeted. Um, they're some of my closest friends and, you know, it's just, it really, it, it gives not only me self-worth, but it also, I know it's changing the lives of kids with, with just those interactions that I'm able to have every day. I mean, that's kind of a dream of mine uh, for this area that I'm in, you know what I mean? And so I just wonder what's the, you know, once you got started or once you, you know, started working with some kids, like what was the, like, how were their parents with, you know, what's the balance? Like, do you have support? I'm sure you have supportive parents. I'm sure you have parents that don't know kids that have confided in you. Like, tell me, what's it like, you know, managing, managing that? You know, it really, it's kind of just about being visible and just making myself, I put myself out there as a proud member of the community. And, you know, kids came and either privately had conversations with me or, you know, they would reach out and say, I'm having a problem with this teacher, or I want to join this team, or, you know, I go to church every, I'm dragged to church every Sunday, and I really don't know how, you know, I'm supposed to, you know, engage with that. So I'm not a counselor. I don't have that background. But, you know, I'm an educator, and I've worked with youth for a long time. So I think it's just having a, you know, for those, for those youth and teens, it's just having a, you know, a healthy functioning adult that's in their lives in some fashion that they can just interact with and see on a daily basis. And, you know, that, and then, you know, I, I try to use a lot of my social media uh, for kids to reach out. I get lots of kids from all over the country that, you know, comment and, and um, you know, message me. Um, and just so, you know, I've just try to use a variety of different platforms to give a space for kids to, to reach out and say, I need to talk about this, or what would I, what should I do about this? And I always try to gear it towards education. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I really am not going to get too personal with kids. That's not really appropriate, um, considering that I'm not a counselor or a psychologist. But again, it's just having a, you know, a trusted adult in their life. Yeah. Some kids, I mean, kids need an anchor, you know, right. like if, especially if they don't have support or if, you know, you don't, they don't know what to say. I mean, I think about how I was, you don't, you don't know how to say how to make these words no. form, you know, when I, yeah, yeah, you don't know how to do it. And I just, I mean, I love that, that you're that for, for them. So you said you came out at 38. Uh, wow. That's a lot of life. Um, yeah. That's a, and, life. a lot of life. Yeah, that's a lot of life. I mean, cause I, you know, I came out the first time probably when I was maybe 21. Right. And then I came out as trans when I was 36 and I, and even living my life the way I was before, which was fine, you know, okay. Not, not right. But like, I'm, I have so much like regret and like pain about not realizing and knowing, you know? And so I'm wondering what was it like to come out at 38? It had to be liberating on one hand, but also like, tell me about it. What was it like? Yeah. You know, it, it really, it, it was not easy. Um, I had built a, a life, you know, and, and family and friends that I know me transitioning out of, of that life was really, really painful. And I knew that it was going to be, but I also knew that 
that for my own mental health and my own, you know, just, you know, interpersonal growth, I was spiraling. I was spiraling in a whole number of ways. And I just made the decision that I needed to do this. And, you know, I went, I even, I said, I don't know if you know this, but I signed up for adult conversion therapy. Um, I went through that and that was just horrific. Did you really? Yeah, I, I just didn't want to be gay. I didn't. Right. And, you know, I, I had be, I had really gone so deep in the closet with ev- with everything, you know, from sports to my job to family that I, I thought, well, if I can fix this part of me, then I don't need to fear hurting people. And we all know that that's just, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it was more painful to go through that. So you know, I, I made the decision. Um, it was a very difficult a process coming out. And, it, you know, I really started a whole new life. And um, it's taken a while to get to where I am to kind of rebuild my relationships. I got a wonderful partner of, of 10 years. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. I met him wow. right after I came out. And so it's been a long process. But, um, you know, I think that also helps me give people, you know, hope and guidance and, you know, kids that are stuck in really painful situations. I understand it. And um, I'm able to talk them through it and, you know, give them some level of advice based on my own personal experiences. So here I am, you know, here you are, here you are. And wonderful. I mean, we talk about this, right? We're saying, you know, 10, 12 years ago, that's not too much time, you know, and it's just, I can, I can hear the pain still in your voice. And it's a pain that people that are outside of the community don't know. You just, you can't understand it because it's just about you being you, like just you, you know, like, I mean, you didn't ask for this. And, um, well, I also think, you know, Lane, that's part of the reason why I've tried to be such a fierce ally for trans youth, because again, I mentioned, I was, you know, I was part of privileged the privileged part of both communities and just I, I see what our non-binary and our trans youth struggle with on a daily basis and I just want to I want to just hug them and be there for them and you know let them know that it'll be okay and that they they deserve to be who they are and to right. love themselves in the way that they are so will um, it be okay though like let's talk about that because yeah. you know we've got we've got all of this anti-trans legislation going around. I mean, and it just, um, and so I say, will it be okay? I was on the news. Our local news said, you know, will you come on and talk about the bill they have in Michigan? And it's a ridiculous bill. It's a ridiculous bill, like all of them. And I, you know, I wonder what you think about that as a, as a sports, you know, LGBTQ plus sports advocate, where, where do you, what do you think about these anti-trans legislations? You know, they're horrible. I mean, they're clearly a result of politicians who've chosen a culture war. And, you know, trans athletes have competed at all levels for decades, and they have seen an opening within high school athletics, and they they have gone for it. And it's it's so damaging, not only to, to you know, the kids, emotional, and, and really physical well-being. Um, I, I do believe that those, 
that are you know fighting for anti-trans legislation will be marginalized over. I think they've been they were emboldened by the last four years, and I think that it'll take time. But we just have to keep fighting. Um, I I would like to see bold leadership from the National Federation of High Schools mm-hmm. step in, just like the NCAA, just like the IOC has done, and you know make some some decisions that would impact all state associations. Because when you leave it up to these individual states, clearly you know the red states are going to you know jump on these bandwagons, and kids are going to suffer. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I'm really act. I'm really active in in making calls and emails and, and reaching out to friends in the states where the you know these trans bills are are you know at least on the table. Some of them have passed. You know, we saw that one in Florida just passed. Yeah, um, I can't really wrap my head around Colorado. it. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, and I think you're right. I think it's a result of you know the last four years. I think it's people feeling emboldened to you know, just be outright transphobic and show their hate. Um, but I think it's also ignorance and fear. And, um, you know, I, I, have you seen Disclosure? Did you watch Disclosure? Yes. Yes. Okay. So this part in Disclosure, um, where they were talking, you know, one of the actors was talking about when she came out to one of her friends and her friend said, you mean like, um, shoot, what's the, what's the bad guy's name in Silence of the Lambs? uh buffalo oh, bill yeah. right oh, buffalo yeah. bill and she said, no. you mean she means like buffalo bill or whatever you know he's the crossdresser guy you know but he's the, the guy that he was going after yeah. and and she's like no not the same and so i think there's people who are ignorant and then this this talk glorifies it right because all they want to do is say you can't have biological males well that's not what we're talking about because that's not what trans women are and i don't understand i just can't wrap my head around why somebody with a platform won't say here's the science you know the olympics have done it the the ncaa has done it in my state we looked it up there's been 10 trans athletes use or play sports in michigan out of 180,000 annually there's been 10 in the last five years yeah and i think really you know high school sports are about participation and they're about you know kids having opportunities to to grow as young people and have healthy relationships it's not always about winning and even the science there doesn't show that there's any impact on outcomes so you know i think i i do have lots of friends from the other side of the aisle and i do they are friends who reach out to me and they say micah tell me about this talk to me about this and we have offline conversations and sometimes they're they're successful. Sometimes, you know, they they're really stubborn about their their position. Um, but I think just continuing to have those conversations in, in respectful and open ways is is really um, how we're going to change the hearts and minds of people because the kids' lives are at stake here. I really believe that. One hundred percent. I mean, and obviously the other thing is, you know, if it's about moving on, you know, and playing in college and having that opportunity that both you and I had. Yep. You got to be pretty special. Right. And yep. and you have to put in the time and the work. Nobody can take that from you. If you're good enough, a coach will want you. And that's the bottom line of the story. You know how I know that? Because I got recruited. You know how you know that? Because you got recruited. That's yep. it. That is what it is. That's right. 
It's numbers. It's, that is what it is. What are you What are you doing out there on the field? Well, you want to look at this trans girl? Why don't you do what you're supposed to do? Is how I. <laughs> right. I I get a little hot about it. Okay, so it's Pride Month. It's Pride yeah. Month. Like Pride, you're on my Pride episode. I love Pride, and I think uh, I don't know what it is. You know, something about this year just got me feeling good. Like there's, it feels like there's so many of us everywhere, like doing stuff. And I think, you know, part of it's the anti-trans legislation, but other, I mean, people are doing great work. So it's Pride Month. What do you do for Pride Month? I mean, it, we're in a pandemic, but like, how do you feel Pride Month? Yeah, you know, Pride Month. It it's sort of you know, it's been something that's I consider pretty new for me. You know, my first pride that I actually went and experienced was just four years ago. Wow. Uh, and, you know, did you like Denver, it? Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Awesome. Yeah. Denver does a really good job, though it's, it's muted this year. They're not going to have the, you know, the parade. Um, I usually participate with You Can Play, and they oh. do a big, float in the parade awesome. looking at having an event downtown here in Denver Two of the founders are here in Denver and I do a lot of work for you can play. Um, I'm, I've taken advantage of the pandemic and gone back into running. Um, my old body is kind of healed from all of those years. of <laughs> So I'm going to do, they, they're doing a pride 5k that I, I haven't done a, like a, a race in years. So I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for that and, and go out and, and race. Um, but I just, I try to be really visible again on social media and, you know, school's out now. So there isn't a whole lot I can do, you know, on campus. Um, but it's just really being active and supporting the community, um, you know, and buying shirts at Target. Right. It makes me feel good. Um, you know, it, we understand the reason why we have a pride month. Right. But the way I'm looking at it this year is like, let's actually celebrate. I mean, I am, for some reason, I am just really proud to be me this year. And I am just so proud of like you. I'm proud to know you. And I'm proud of Chris Mosier. And I'm proud of Kai Shepley. And I'm proud, you know what I mean? Like, I'm proud of us. And, you know, there was a story. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the story out of Texas about the bakery? Did you see no. this? Okay. So this bakery made these rainbow cookies. And they did a Facebook post and they said, happy Pride Month, um, more love, less hate. We did these Pride cookies for anybody that wants, wants them, right? Happy Pride. So then the next day they write a post and they're like, our heart is so heavy. Um, we've lost a number of followers. We received a really hateful message and somebody just canceled a very large order that we just finished frosting of five dozen cookies. Um, and we're really sad that all we tried to do was promote more love and less hate. And instead, this is what we got. Somebody took a picture at noon that day. There was a line wrapped around the corner. Two hours later, they posted a picture of their empty shelves and said, you guys are the best. We're sold out. Come back tomorrow for more rainbow cookies. And I was like, I love us because we got power show up that's up i mean it's that's where you know the hate just needs to be marginalized it needs to be yeah. pushed aside it's always going to be there i mean it will be there we just keep fighting against it but that's 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 awesome yeah that's oh, i love that that's that's a pride story pride. for me i love that i'm gonna get a rainbow cookie yeah. so let me uh 
ask you one more thing. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I'm just thinking about your shirt again. I'm thinking about you being a white guy. I'm thinking about your privilege. I'm thinking about our community, right? Like, what do you think is the best way that you can be an ally? Or like, you know what I mean? I mean, mean, you know a lot of white guys. I know a lot of white guys too. But like, you know a lot of far right people. I don't, right? Like, what what is their main, you know what? I'm going to switch questions now. Yeah. What's, What's their main issue? Like they just don't get it? You know, I think it's, I think it is fear and just a lack of education. And, you know, the, they don't have relationships. They really don't have, you know, a lot, a lot of individuals who don't understand the trans community, they live in a bubble and they don't have relationships with individuals that either are allies or part of the community. And once they do, it changes. I mean, I'm, I'm coming back to Michigan, hopefully in, in like three weeks to go to my high school 30th reunion. Wow. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's going to be out at a lake somewhere and there's going to be the, you know, the, the rural community that I grew up with, that I know that I'm lots of friends with on social media, but I'm, I'm looking at it as an opportunity to engage and with in conversations. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky to be an educator and I can do things like I've got a little pronoun pin that I wear, mm-hmm. you know, on my lapel, or I have all my teachers put their pronouns on the board. All those things are disarming to kids and they know they're in a safe space and the, you know, get the conversation going. So, you know, for me, it's just being visible and, and, if, and if I hear something or see something, I address it. And I, you know, I'm not a angry person, mm-hmm. but I will, I'll call somebody out. I'll say, well, what did you mean by that? Why did you say that? That's important. Talk about this. So that's important. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just visibility and having those conversations with people who just are either afraid of, you know, they're, they're a lot of them is peer pressure and they're just afraid of their own community calling them out. Um, they're, you know, far right of the conservative community calling them out. Um, so, it, yeah, I think it's just, it'll happen. It'll happen. So going back to Stockbridge, eh? So three years ago, all right, I came out as trans in 2017. And that next year was my 20-year high school reunion, 2018. And I was like, F it, man, I'm going. And I had myself a little fuzz and all that going. And I had, um, and it was amazing. And it was, it was amazing, but I think part of it, and I hope this for you too, you know, when you're actually who you're supposed to be, it's just so much easier to walk in with your head held up high and your chest poked out. Yeah. You know? well, and I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm happy and successful. Exactly. I'm excited to see my friends from high school. Um, and I'm proud. Yep. And we're going to see that. <laughs> Very good. Well, I, uh, you know, I just appreciate the work you're doing so much, you know, and if there's anything that I can ever do, like you need only ask me. I got um, your number. You, you got know, my number. I won't, I won't hound you, but I will. If you I need me, if you need me, you just say, that's it. So Micah, people can learn more about you at MicahPorter.com, right? 
Um, They can learn more about your work that you do to protect and support and advocate for our youth. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on my show, my man. You're the best. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Now, I need something from all my friends out there. I need you to subscribe on YouTube. I need you to like it. I need you to rate it. I need you to share it. If you're in a good mood, right? Like me on Facebook, The Reconstructed Man. Follow the podcast on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm kind of funny. At The Right Lane. Um, Now, keep doing you because nobody can do you better than you can. I'm Lane Ingram, and this is The Reconstructed Man Podcast. Peace out.